In this episode of the Smart Community Podcast, Zoe speaks with computer programmer and transportation enthusiast, Jacob Baskin. Jacob is the CTO at Cord, a New York-based tech company that helps government agencies, companies, and professionals get the valuable data they need to build and regulate transportation infrastructure in the way that works best for everyone in the city. In this episode, Jacob shares what sparked his interest in the smart community space and why he feels it's important. Zoe and Jacob discuss how the US is currently embracing smart city concepts, including cities taking the lead and putting communities back at the center of their decision making. Jacob also explains a bit about Cord and why curbside management is needed more and more in today's world of e-commerce and rideshare platforms. They also discuss how open data is crucial for any kind of integration between disciplines, governments and industry, and why shared data standards are so important for facilitating that. Zoe and Jacob finish their chat talking about the emerging trends of cities doing more of their innovation in-house and valuing the staff that they already employ. As always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Welcome to the smart community, smart regions, smart towns, and smart cities. It's where we live, work, and play with smart communities. The future starts today. Big data, smart mobility, emerging trends galore. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for. Hello, Jacob. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Zoe? I am perfect. Let's jump straight in. And can you tell us about your background and what you are passionate about? Sure. I come from a computer science background. I studied computer science uh, at university and then started working at Google, uh, where I worked in online advertising for about eight years. But I've always been passionate about transportation. Ever since I was a little kid, I wrote a letter to the transportation commissioner in the city of Toronto, where I'm from, when I was about three years old, suggesting a way to improve the streets near where I lived. So this has really been a lifelong interest of mine, and I'm so happy I get to work in it. That's awesome. So what sparked your interest in the smart cities or smart communities space? So I've been watching this stuff start to come up, especially when I was at Google. Eventually, the Sidewalk Labs project started with some of the people in Google New York. And I was watching that uh, begin to happen with interest. And finally, I talked to the Sidewalk Labs team about what they were working on and if there was an opportunity for me to get involved. And luckily, they brought me on to help start this company that's now Cord. Excellent. So what is a smart city or a smart community to you? So I really view smart cities as not so much being, you know, about the internet connectedness or the amount of smart hardware that's involved is being about the way that the city itself understands itself and uses the latest data and technology to make better decisions uh, and to run the city in as good of a way as possible. Yeah, simple, sweet and simple. Why do you think that this concept is so important? I think one of the things that we've been realizing at Court and that I've been realizing as I've been getting into the space is that cities often have the opportunities to do a lot more and to understand things a lot better Uh, than they've been able to traditionally just given their resources. Uh, One thing that we found out at Cord is that most cities have no idea what parking signs they've put out on the streets. And this is kind of amazing when you think about it. So here are these cities, they're spending a lot of money, they have a sign shop, they clearly view their resources in terms of the street as important enough to go out and manage them. 
but they don't view them as important enough or they don't seem to be able to, you know, collect this record of where they've put things out. And this is leading to a lot of problems for them. For one thing, people put up fake signs. We've seen this happen in cities around the U.S. and it's a bit crazy. Someone will paint their curb in front of their house or put up a sign near their house saying, nobody else can park here, parking for me only. And people will get real tickets based on those. So this is sort of the old way of operating. But what we've realized is that technology and the kind of data management that we can do these days means that cities don't have to live this way anymore, that they can actually understand the things that they're doing and the things that their citizens want from the city much better without even having to do, you know, any kind of major hardware deployment. You know, there's some really interesting stuff going on on the hardware side in transportation, smart street lights, smart traffic lights, smart sensors, all of this kind of stuff. But really, from our perspective, the core of the smart city concept is about using technology so that the cities and the citizens can better understand each other. Uh, and that's that's key. And as the way that people interact with cities gets more complex, thanks to the changes in transportation, thanks to the changes in the way that people engage civically, this is only going to become more important. Mm. Signage is a topic close to my heart. I really love signage. And I think I, I totally agree with you. It's similar here that they were important enough to put out, but it's too hard to manage them. It's too hard to know where they are, even though they're a you know, static sign. But it's a hard thing to grapple with when you don't have that up-to-date layer of information. And if you can't get that accessibly or really easily... So I think signage is a, is a big one and moving from physical signage, first of all, knowing where that is and then how and then augmenting that with the digital layer. There's so many things that we can do. Or, or it's also what are we missing now that we can potentially be increasing the safety, the efficiency and the utilisation of the spaces that we have in our cities and communities. Yeah, I, this is something, I mean, as I'm sure you can appreciate, it's something that I've really started to nerd out about since founding Horton since working on the curbside so much, you know, we see, and, and I wrote a blog post about this a few months ago, but we see some unbelievably complicated signs. We have some from Los Angeles that are like six or eight signs on the same pole. And, you know, it's like reading a novel, figuring out what's going on. So you could look at this and say, you know, oh, these cities are really doing a bad job. But you could also look at this and say, look at the desire on the part of the cities and on the part of the citizens to get the most out of this space. If you think about this as like, Paving the cow paths is an expression people sometimes use in computer science. You see where people want to go. You see what people want to do, even if it takes them a ton of effort and a ton of work to get there. And then you can build tools to make it simpler for them to get what they want. And in this case, what we see is that what people want is to have get the most out of the use of the city resources that are around them. And they're willing to put up these, you know, signs that are, you know, feet long to get there. So imagine if we made it simpler for them, then they could just do these things so much more easily and so much more in a so much more of a satisfying way mm, and i think more effectively in the sense of like i love signage you love signage so we read all the signs right but like if i drive along the road with friends they'll be oh what's the speed limit i'm like well you just passed it you know 80 kilometer an hour sign They're like oh i don't look at signage there's too many of them so <laughs> you know so the information might be put out there but if it's not uh, received then it's redundant as well Absolutely. And, and that's something that we see also uh, in terms of the curbside when it comes to these uh, ride hailing companies, that the traditional way that people use the curb and that the curb signed is it's for parking. You know, it's for people who are going to be somewhere probably an hour or two hours or even a few days, certainly at least 15 minutes. But all of a sudden, you've got someone taking an Uber, they're getting dropped off and the car is going away 
in 30 seconds or in a minute and a half. How are they supposed to read the signage for the whole block? More to the point, for a city, how are you supposed to enforce any regulations you make about them? They're gone before uh, the police officer arrives. People hate giving tickets to people who are sitting in their cars. They'll tell them to move along, but of course, by that point, you're moving along already. So yeah, the way that things are changing makes signage increasingly the wrong way, not just to explain the rules, but also to enforce the rules. Mm, Yeah, no, I agree. I'm really looking forward to the future of signage and that curbside space. But then, yeah, what's the digital layer that also isn't there at the moment? And what can that, what will that look like? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's go on to the next question, which is, how do you think the US is currently embracing the smart city or smart community concept? I'm keen to hear a few of your insights on the sidewalk labs, if you can share anything. Um, So I, I don't always feel comfortable talking about sidewalk labs, because they've been doing amazing stuff while we've you know, been here at CORD doing, of course, also amazing stuff, but different stuff. We've been going on our own paths for the past while. Uh, but I can talk a bit about some of the things that excited me uh, about working there when I started. So I think that the thing that I found really exciting about Sidewalk Labs is that they didn't start in the way that a lot of people start smart cities projects of, you know, how are we going to pack as much cool hardware into this box as possible. You know, what are the sensors that we have at our disposal and how can we make them work, you know, in a cool demo, which is a lot of smart cities projects kind of look like that. Like, oh, let's put in a thermostat. Oh, let's put in a a fingerprint reader. The way that Sidewalk Labs was, and I, I think still is approaching the problem, is by thinking about, well, how is technology going to change our cities over the next decade or more? And what are ways that we can help cities get out ahead of that? What are ways that we can use, take this technological change and steer it in a way that benefits the community rather than just going the direction that it happens to go for better or for worse? And so they looked at the, the kinds of trends around autonomous vehicles, trends around civic engagement, trends around healthcare delivery, trends around sanitation and waste management, all of these different things, and tried to figure out, again, how to put the public sector and how to put communities back in the driving seat. So that is really inspiring to me. And I, one of the cool things about the United States, also one of the difficult things about the United States, is it's a very federal country by nature. I mentioned I came from Canada, and in Canada, the federal government kind of has all the power that it doesn't give to the provinces. In the United States, the states have all the power that the Constitution doesn't give back to the federal government. So every state is its own thing, and every city is also its own thing. So we see a huge diversity of approaches to this. But a lot of the cities that I've been really excited to work with and that I've been really excited by are doing this exact thing. They're not, you know, stepping away from technology and saying, no, we don't want any of that. They're also not stepping back and having a laissez-faire approach to technology and saying, well, whatever happens in our city is great. They're the cities that are saying, let's explore how people use the technology, how people want to use new technologies, and let's see how we can build a process that makes these technologies work for us and work for our citizens. How can we set the rules of the game to make these technologies be net positives? And that kind of thinking and that kind of work, I would say that characterizes the best of American smart cities approaches. They're not top-down. They're working very closely in concert with private companies, but they're also not laissez-faire because they realize that the role of the public sector is to set the rules. Some of my academic backgrounds in game theory and kind of mechanism design. And so I love it when I see examples of that in practice. And so much of the approaches to you know, things like AVs or even things like ride hail, and then also to micromobility, to scooters and bikes. So many of the approaches really take a background from mechanism design 
of how can we incentivize these providers to work in concert with each other and to work in concert with us rather than to produce congestion and to produce other negative outcomes. Hmm, interesting. Well, tell us about CORD and some of the projects and things that you're currently working on. Mm-hmm. So as I kind of teased earlier, the thing that we are really trying to do is bring data into existence that helps cities create seamless transportation. So we know that cities are very excited to do the right thing, to make it easier for their citizens to get from place to place seamlessly. But the area that we've identified that they need the most help, that we can most advance the state of the art with the technology we bring to the table, is in data collection right now, uh, in data management. So where we're focusing at the moment is on the curb. We're seeing that curb management is becoming an increasingly important thing for cities to do. Uh, This is managing who can pick up and drop off passengers, load and unload goods, or park at the side of any given street at any time, and for how long and how much they have to pay. So the rise of e-commerce and the rise of ride hail have really made the curb a much more important and a much more contentious space in cities, though, of course, it's always been contentious. And cities don't have the data that they need to manage this. So what we've done is we've built a tool that uses augmented reality technology. Uh, So this is the stuff that it's built into iPhones and and recent Androids. Really, it's for things like, you know, playing games where you can see game characters in the world around you through your phone camera, or you can use it. IKEA has an app that you can use it to see what the sofa would look like in your living room. But what we use it for is to help cities measure and easily collect accurate data about the kind of inventory that's on their curb. So this is our surveyor tool. And then we take that and we put it through our rules engine to understand at any given point the rules of the curb. And this is data that a ton of people need, that cities need, that private companies using the curb would really like to have. And we're bringing it into existence where it wasn't before. Uh, so that's really what we're, we're passionate about doing, is making that data exist and enabling all of the players in the world of transportation to make better decisions using it. So is it kind of like if I'm on, if I pull up somewhere in my car and then I can open the app and then it can show me that, oh yeah, you're in a two-hour parking zone or something like that? Exactly. So those kinds of apps, parking apps would use this. People, companies like uh, FedEx or UPS or DHL outside of the United States get millions and millions of dollars of parking tickets every year. And right now they have no way to understand how to optimize their operations to save money on parking tickets just because they don't know where they could go. You know, they don't know, they can't make those trade-offs of, well, you know, this route is faster for me, but I'm going to get ticketed more. This route is a bit slower, but I save a lot of money in tickets, so it's worth it. So they can't make that decision. You know, if the city goes to Uber and says, you know, Uber, you know, you got to stop dropping people off and blocking the entire road in these places where we've put no stopping signs. Uber can say, but you won't tell me where the signs are. Just tell us where the signs are and we'll stop doing it. But the city can't tell them. So if we start to make this data available, not only will it help these companies improve their operations, but it'll also help build that feedback loop between the cities and the private players. And and like I was saying earlier, this means that the curb regulations aren't just signs on the street. They become the rules of the transportation game. They become the way that the city sets for mobility to happen on its streets. And so that's really the world that we're trying to build. Uh, But yeah, also, obviously, you should never have to worry whether you're parked legally or not. That should be a question we can answer super quick. Well, that really leads on to this next question because it's about integration. So how do we integrate across the different disciplines, governments, and industry? That's a great question. And that's something that we've been seeing a lot of both challenges with and innovation. 
one of the things that really made Cord possible and that continues to make our job possible is open data. Even if we are going out and collecting where all the parking signs are, where all the curb cuts are, where all of the cars can park, we still need a map of the street and we still need to know how the city thinks of its streets. And that often we get from municipal open data. So the first step of this is opening up. Uh, and for the government, especially where it's operating in the public interest, opening up its data is usually a great first step to helping build these connections between disciplines, between government and private industry. Now, once you have open data, you start to realize that not all open data is created equal. And one of the biggest things that makes data more useful is being in a form that makes it easier for people to understand. So this is something that we're really trying to make happen on the curb is we're trying to make there be data standards for understanding this information and for sharing it between people. So that way, you know, if you're the city of, you know, Nashville, maybe you have a way that you think about the curb and maybe you use Cord surveyor tool and collect a whole bunch of data and bring it into uh, your city's geo database and then share it with the public through your open data system. Chances are the kinds of private companies and the kinds of software developers who are going to be looking at that data aren't just located in Nashville. They probably want to solve similar problems across the country. And if the data in Nashville and the data in Memphis or the data in Atlanta look entirely different, they're going to have a really hard job. So one of the things that's great about what we're trying to do at CORD and that we see similar initiatives for across the world of transportation is making shared data standards that lots of different cities can adhere to. Probably the best success story in this area uh, for transportation is a format called GTFS, which uh, Google developed in cooperation with uh, TriMet, the transportation agency for Portland, Oregon. So they could start putting bus and light rail arrival times into Google Maps. But they didn't just make this, oh, this is the Google format. Nobody's allowed to use it other than Google. And they didn't make it, this is the Portland format. We only want, we're only going to use this in Portland. They shared the details of this with the world and they made it the standard for every transportation agency in the world. And now you can go onto the internet and see not only hundreds of cities and transportation agencies that use GTFS to share their data, but also dozens and dozens of apps that, you, that read this GTFS data even to compete with Google. So this kind of shared data is really the bedrock, in our opinion, of good integration and something that we're trying to foster on the curb. What are the emerging trends that people aren't talking about enough? Hmm. So I, I think that one of the, the great trends that, you know, the right people are talking about, but I don't hear a lot of discussion about it in the smart city space, is cities starting to do much more technology experimentation in-house. There are some great groups in New York City government that I happen to know because we're based here in New York that are doing really amazing things uh, just internally uh, working for city government and using city data. And that can often really kickstart a whole area. So a great example is the New York City Department of City Planning built an amazing web-based tool for understanding land use across New York City that combines data from tons of different sources. I don't know exactly how many, but it overlays it all on one map and it makes it all work together in a really great way. And so not only does that help, it helped me a lot as I was you know, trying to understand, you know, the different neighborhoods in the city and, you know, understand why the city is the way it is, but it also helps people who want to use this data for other purposes who are going to build their own apps or their own systems understand what the data looks like and how it works. So starting that kind of innovation from inside of the city is something I'm really glad is happening. And I think that often the effort, I think because we're out here tooting our own horn so much, the efforts of private companies, you know, get publicized a lot. But things that happen inside cities, which are really great to see, don't get as much press as, that, as maybe they should. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's a, a trend that's happening here as well. And it's a really good one to see. And I think bringing in those skill sets of, say, a private you know, a consultant or something, but actually not just you know them coming in, doing the thing and then leaving, but actually increasing the skill sets or changing or adding to the skill sets of people internally is so important because they're the ones that are going to control this stuff and make decisions about this stuff, even if they're not the ones that are actually going to do it themselves. But then also when you can attract those people in-house and they can do it themselves, then you change the culture of a place to be more you know, smart city thinking automatically. Yeah. And cities, I think, are also really waking up to the wealth of resources they have in their staff. Yeah. People say that software is eating the world. And I think one of the things that that means is that you have people who are technologists, even if that's not necessarily their exact job description. So you have maybe GIS practitioners, maybe, you know, data wranglers. I don't know what job titles exactly, but you have people who aren't hired by the city as computer programmers who can build really neat stuff and who are really excited to dig into this world and help their cities understand their data better and build cool things. And that's, that in particular is really great to see. And there, there are such wonderful people who are working in city government helping make this happen. And the, and the more that we on the outside can make their jobs easier and improve the tools that they have access to, the happier I'll be. Well, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast, Jacob. It's been great to have this conversation. Uh, and I really just have one last question, which is how can people connect with you? Yeah, well, they can learn more about uh, Cord at cord.co, C-O-O-R-D dot C-O. Uh, I'm at Jacob Baskin at, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we'll put all the links in the show notes so people can click away and find you. Thanks again for coming onto the podcast. Great. Thanks so much, Zoe. It was great talking to you. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmart.community. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community or find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter at smartcompod. That's com with two M's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us reach more ears, so thank you in advance. As always, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for.